Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. It's the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, a Gemini season spectacular. The astrology of Alanis Morissette, baby, you better believe it, featuring the one and only Greg Kozatek. But first, thoughts on Hinge. Pride, dot, 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 question mark. Uh, Mercury season malaise. Misery with Kathy Bates. Drag Race Down Under. Protocol with Goldie Hawn. And Sissy Spacek. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Luminaries. I just want to say that if you, at this point in your life, are feeling um, unhinged, unstable, and consumed by hellfire, um... Thoughts and prayers, I'm completely with you. This Mercury retrograde, which started on the 29th, has already, uh, you know, taken everything I have. And um, now there's always more that can be taken away from me in the uh, primeval battle for survival. But I feel completely different day to day. Uh, My energy levels are at just at uh what is it sevens and eights is that the is that the expression um i feel like a lunatic um yeah and i am working on nylon for the uh june 10th gemini eclipse and then the june 14th saturn uranus square and i have to say that this june uh does promise to be an archetypal battle royale um over, you know, individuality versus global obligation, uh, choice versus society, um, um, liberty, quote-unquote, versus cancellation. There's just a lot going down, so I just want to say, you know, uh, courage, mon braves, to all of you. I, uh, this is a great episode. I'm very excited, you know, to unleash... Alanis upon us all uh, this Gemini season. But first, there's so much I want to talk about. I I want to say um, to further the theme of humiliation and degradation, I have joined Hinge. I am in it to win it this time. I am off sniffies.com. I know you've heard that before. Um, Hinge has been pretty brutal. Uh, They're not really buying what I'm selling. Though, you know, when I look at the pictures I've taken in my profile, I don't think I'm very, like, warm or approachable. Seemingly. I'm not saying that just, like, uh, on on an uh, intrinsic level, but there is a a bit of a standoffishness there. And, And frankly... 
If you put on your dating profile that you're an atheist, are you fucking kidding me? Like, is that the grounds you want to start any sort of a relationship on? And also, if you put on your dating profile that you live in Roosevelt Island, are you, come on. Also, I'm sorry, I am not going to West Harlem to meet anybody. That is not... Okay, that is a distance thing, just to clarify. I had to schlep to 100th Street yesterday. That's it for the year for me, okay? I, I don't need to really be the new girl in town. Um, I also just think, like, I want to say this. Saying that you want to, like, watch something on Netflix with your lover. Um, Netflix is a corporation. Netflix is not, uh, like, a milieu... Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm any better saying that I like love DC comics or whatever, but just this like, um, this parlance of Netflix, it's like, you know, you are one step below a Disney cruise gay. Okay. Uh, which are, as we know on this podcast, persona non grata. Okay. Um, is it Pride Month? I, I can't do this this year, okay? The, the Twitter outrage, I don't care, okay? Do whatever you want. You don't need to do anything for Pride, okay? If you want to, have fun, but, like, this this has gone so far, and I am watching, and really, I want to say that I'm really, really enjoying on Netflix the... Not Netflix. See, do you see what just what's happening here? On uh, FX Hulu, the five-part documentary series Pride, which does a different decade for each episode of the history of gay liberation, and it's really like so well done. You know, um, Christine Vachon, who is the producer of all the Todd Haynes movies narrates the 90s episode i mean it's that level and by the way you know as you know uh in my days as a newspaper woman um i was asked to do like a really long piece on stonewall for new york world pride to which i of course said you know it would be more interesting if we did something else just because stonewall's become a cliche and of course there was a long history of gay revolts Uh, preceding Stonewall, to which my straight male editor informed me that no, uh, it's actually all about Stonewall and Stonewall is the important event. Um, Thank you so much for that lesson. But the Pride show does such a good job of like filling in the mosaic really well. Um, So I highly recommend that. I also recommend, while we're at it, I recommend the movie Pride, which is that like movie about during Margaret Thatcher's reign, the like gay Irish people who bonded with the coal miners. It's very Billy Elliot, which is like the only kind of movie I like. Um, is Julie Walters in it? No, Imelda Staunton is in it. Um, so, you know, sign me up. I've seen it 300,000 times. You can totally sign me up. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, Drag Race Down Under is a catastrophe, and the last episode was humiliating for everyone involved, including the contestants, the crew members filming the contestants, the editors uh, putting the show together, and most of all, me watching it. Um, 
Among an all-white cast, one of the queens uh, confessed that in the past she has done blackface, to which another queen replies that blackface is wrong uh, and that uh, people who do it should be held accountable. Thank you so much for taking a stand, uh, for saying something that's never been said before, and for showing that to the world. You know, the queen who confessed to it, I can't even remember her name, it's like Scarlet Brown or something. She's on live TV confessing that she did blackface and she knows it's wrong. So then to have this other white queen who's like 21 explain to her that it's wrong is just like the reason why people um it's the reason why mitch mcconnell is in power it was humiliating um and it's also like hmm, maybe we should talk about the fact that everyone in the room is probably descended from a colonist maybe the fact that australia has an, a massive asian population none of which is being represented on this show just any sort of complexity you know don't worry about it that said i am going to watch drag race espana um do you see? I'm just in the gulag forever. Um, speaking of gays, I want to say that um, I've been talking about everything's going to be okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm having a disgusting smoothie right now, and there's literally powder in my neck. And I keep thinking that by drinking more of it, it'll get better. Okay. I am watching Everything's Gonna Be Okay on Freeform, which formerly was known as ABC Family, formerly known as Fox Family, uh, quote, a new kind of family. So something really amazing has happened, which is in the making of the show, Josh Thomas has realized that he is on the autism spectrum, and now his character uh, is coming to that realization as well. And... I just think it's being really well done and really organically done and really not forced. And and the other thing that I just want to say is like, Josh Thomas did Please Like Me and now he's doing this show, both of which I would, I would call overwhelmingly twee. And, you know, it's all about this character who's awkward and blah, blah, blah. But with this new layer added in, which is, this is a writer-creator star who is on the spectrum, uh, who has been consciously or unconsciously sharing his social point of view. It's a point of view. Do you understand that, like, if you just make an indie movie or a show that's shaky cam about, like, quirky white people who don't fit in, that's not a point of view, okay? This actually is one, and I'm not saying that everyone who makes a show needs to be on the spectrum, but I'm just saying, like, what what are we doing here, okay? Um, I had a horrible dream last night that I was, like, at the Friends reunion, and the paparazzi were everywhere, and Matthew Perry just had this, like, evil look on his eye. Um, by the way, all let's just get it out right now. Not that I ever watched the Friends reunion. Interesting that the women all look like a million dollars. Well, they look like a million dollars per episode, frankly. The men all look like melted um, cabbage. I mean, what, what? Men, when straight actors just like drink brown liquor and smoke cigars, this is what happened with Mel Gibson, okay? Watch The Road Warrior and then watch What Women Want and tell me what happened, okay? Um, I also want to say like, Lisa Kudrow, 
Besides the fact that she is the greatest actress of all time, she's built like a brick shit house. When I watched Clock Watchers, I was just like, you have the most unbelievable body. You, She is just... I think she's a Libra, which would explain... Let me just... Hold on. I'm... Or maybe she's a Cancer, do you think? Oh, she's a Leo. Okay, there's justice in the world. Okay, so, you know, I was going to say Libra, but I think this applies with Leo as well, which is just this rapturous kind of Venusian uh, figure. I love her. Okay. Um, Speaking of men drinking brown liquor and smoking cigars... Brendan Fraser. We know, uh, thanks to the very good GQ piece in 2008, that Brendan Fraser was groped in 2003 by the head of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, uh, which sent him into like full PTSD. And he did what all straight men do in these situations, which is don't go to therapy, like move to a farm and learn archery or something. Um, the whole thing is so sad. I rewatched a movie that was very big in my house when I was growing up. Blast from the Past, starring Luminary's favorite, Sissy Spacek, Alicia Silverstone, and Brendan Fraser. I'm realizing that Brendan Fraser, it's not even that I ever had a crush on him because he occupies this very, like, pre-sexual place for me, which is, like, that, George of the Jungle, and, of course, my all-time favorite film, The Mummy. I was too young to be, like, turned on by him, but I felt... This is what you have to understand. Most straight men, especially in the post-Bush era, you know, we think about the Mark Wahlbergization of culture, are just, like, scary. Brandon Fraser is just, like, a spirit of love and sweetness and joy. And that, I think, is, like, this very hopeful thing, which is, like, a man... And also, we, you know, Gods and Monsters with Ian McKellen, everyone run don't walk to watch that um he's gorgeous but um he's so beautiful and so like masculine but he's not like rapey uh which i gotta tell you you can't say that much these days um blast from the past is not a good movie you don't need to watch it but i i love it um and it is kind of a spiritual film obviously sissy spacek tears it uh, I watched Crimes of the Heart last year, which is Sissy Spacek, Diane Keaton, and oh my god, shit. Oh, and uh, Jessica Lang. It is amazing. And Sissy Spacek, it's like, she, Sissy Spacek is, is like Diane Weist, is like, oh, I already won my Oscar in 1982. Like, you can't tell me anything, you know? Um, let's just be very clear about Blast from the Past. It is obvious that that role was written for Sarah Michelle Gellar. And I love Alicia Silverstone, but she can't do it. She, she, it's not written. It's not for her. Sarah Michelle Gellar could have handled the edginess, uh, and the kind of open heart under the edginess. Alicia Silverstone didn't have what it takes, but if Sarah turned it down, that is okay. Um, you know, she was very busy. I watched Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Not much to say there, except it reminded me of Passover Seder with my family circa 2006. Um, I do... Okay. Something a little... Just something. 
Sony has announced a Craven the Hunter spinoff movie. As you don't know, Craven the Hunter is my favorite Spider-Man villain. He is the probably one of the hottest comic book characters ever. Um, he's kind of my sexual ideal. Um, he is going to be played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Now, don't get me wrong. The Aaron Taylor Johnson dick pics, the Aaron Taylor Johnson's ass in the kick-ass costume, Aaron Taylor Johnson as a specimen, you know, thank God, right? However, a character like Craven or a character like Doctor Strange, um, they're from the 60s, and they're from a time when uh, Jewish creators... Um, were were creating characters this is an era when jews and italians were considered really ethnic minorities they were not really passing in the way that they are now um so a lot of these characters who ostensibly are caucasian um are drawn in a way where they're evoking a kind of like italian new york ethnicity so it's really weird when you see Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, Jared Leto as Mobius, as Morbius, and um, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven, because these characters are obviously from this time of where diversity was a little bit more limited. They're coded as diverse, and the idea that like sixty years later you're just casting another white boy or another British boy, especially, it's like. Okay, I think we were kind of missing an opportunity here to, like, you know, broaden the uh, palette a little bit. Um, thanks to previous Luminaries guest Tim Platt, I was able to read the recent X-Men uh, mega crossover event, X of Swords, which was beautiful. Um, I think Kate Beckinsale was born to play Psylocke. I really, I'm an advocate for Kate Beckinsale. Um, not Psylocke. She was born to play uh, Elizabeth Braddock, who is currently the new Captain Britain. Britain looks gorgeous. I love Psylocke herself in the Hellion series. Um, it's just a great time. I am working on my magic tattoo from X-Men. Um, suggestions are welcome. And... You know, still cultivating dreams of one day writing a new mutant series. Um, the last thing... Okay, I watched Protocol with Goldie Hawn. It was amazing. I watched Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. Christina Applegate is an icon. The movie's stupid. But did not realize that I'm right on top of that rose was Joanna Cassidy, who plays the legend, the one and never lonely, Margaret Chenoweth from Six Feet Under. Um, that's the show everyone should be watching for pride um i'm trying to i'm i want to find the brentwood quote um i think it's when she throws her husband's ashes over uh out the window and she goes great his remains his room his remains will linger in brentwood for all of time okay the final thing i think maybe not this Memorial Day, uh, important work was done. I watched Misery with Kathy Bates. Cancel your plans. Get on HBO Max, okay? This is the satire of the century. Um, Kathy Bates earned her Oscar. This is similar to Whoopi Goldberg's Oscar, where it's like, okay, she deserved it. You know, there was no politics here. 
Give her the Oscar. In the Lady Gaga Netflix documentary, when Lady Gaga goes to Walmart to, um, to you know, push Joanne for some shekels, this is what misery is about. This is the, the what happens when a New York artist sells their soul and who are, who, what does it mean to have a mass audience? The idea that a novelist would be kidnapped by his biggest fan, who is a um, evangelical hillbilly uh, lunatic with a Medea complex, is so good. Um, it goes back to everything that you know Sarah Schulman says, which is why why are we opening up this country to hillbillies? And you know, the whole time I was watching the movie, I just thought to myself, this character Annie Wilkes. She is in New York right now on a friend's tour bus, okay? So, and by the way, when there's the new Sex in the City series, she'll be back. Um, it really just was an unbelievable... It, I, I just thought it was so genius. And, you know, you gotta give it to Stephen King and you gotta give it to Rob Reiner. So, God bless. Um, so, we are going to be talking about Alanis Morissette. I loved having the conversation. Obviously, Greg is one of the ancient ones. He's a keeper of the scrolls. So um, I hope you enjoy this. We do have some Pride Month programming in store. Um, you know, watch this space. Uh, I'm really hoping that it's not the usual boring Pride Month. I mean, saying that we have Pride Month programming, by the way, I'm humiliated. I'm going to get back on Sniffies tonight uh, for, for the freak show. But... Um, yeah, just hang in there, kitties, and um, live, laugh, love, and talk to you soon. Um, thank you, India. Thank you, Terror. Thank you, Disillusionment. And thank you, Greg Kozatek, for returning to the Luminaries for this very special episode. What a goddamn honor. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so excited. So, listen, um, you know, I, I just want to clear the air here. I know that I tend to be rather opinionated about uh, the Gemini species, the Gemini condition. Um, so I'm I'm going to just throw you all a bone uh, by showing that I actually love you people. And by doing that, I'm going to unleash the astrology of one of the great Geminis uh, who has ever lived, kind of a corrective to the many... Um, terrorist dictator murderer gemini's that we know of alanis morissette um so i have recruited uh luminary's artistic director my uh you know my my inspiration my soul greg kozatek to uh help me along on this journey greg was um critical in my own late in life discovery of the the music and the essence of Alanis Morissette uh quarantine era even um so I, I'm so glad we can do this wow I honestly there was no better time to just go head head over heels uh <laughs> hand in, in pocket hand in pocket than in quarantine because I always say Alanis is medicine and she can doctors oh okay oh. sorry we're, we're sorry. just we're pulling the chart up okay so, um she is medicine she is medicine and she comes to you when you need her um mm. so i'm glad she found you in 2020. well to lay things out i mean i, I just want to well first of all greg i want to hear about your journey 
musically with her. Um, sure. Okay. And let me just tell the luminary listener that I, I'm by no means an Alanis aficionado. Um, I'm just, I'm a stand-in for us all. We all have, you know, I'm not, <laughs> uh, I like to think of myself as the regular Alanis listener. I don't, I, I'm not a, I'm not a professional David is what I'm trying to say but I, I will say that like from I, I remember the first time hearing about her uh, was of course in the 90s and mm. uh, my my best childhood friend Ivana Nardoza introduced me to her because her <laughs> older sister was listening to her um, and of course it was Jag a little pill and mm. you know that was the foray I it was a true like 90s experience um and you know it goes from there but that was i i remember like alanis being one along with donna lewis being one of the first like musical interests i had which again i'm sure is like similar to every other 90s kid yeah but Um, i do think that you know you've introduced me to a lot of uh alanis work over the last 20 years like i think you've actually done a really nice job of keeping up with her post-millennium uh oeuvre well when you said when first of all shock to the core when i heard that you that you were curious and you didn't know that you want that you were yearning for alanis and that you didn't know much i said oh my god what a what a task to like you know <laughs> create the spotify awakening for you um so it, it was really fun to just kind of like, you know, go back and revisit and pluck, not necessarily her like, you know, her chart topping hits, but you know, mm. songs that spoke to me. Um, but yeah. We're never gonna survive unless we get a, a little, little crazy. crazy. So let's, let's jump in. Okay, let's jump in. So I just wanna kind of, first of all, lay out why I think, I place Alanis and Robin um, in terms of Gemini's. I I place Alanis and Robin, and I would also say Prince, um, but Prince is a little different because Prince, all right, in terms of Gemini's, there's a bit of a spectrum, but just to lay out the kind of foundation, Gemini is the voice. Gemini is uh, ruled by Mercury, the planet of communication, the messenger of the gods. Gemini is the channel. Um, so Gemini is very much this direct conduit. Gemini's themselves aren't are often these like uh, artistic vessels or just vessels, voices of the time. I mean, Donald Trump is a Gemini, so. Yeah their voices of their moment and they're often not really there's not really like um a wizard behind the curtain it's literally like a direct transmission so i group robin and alanis together because they're very like i think they're forces of good and they're forces of love but they're these very if you think about both of them i think their music strikes a chord in that it's just an it's, it's like a portal just got opened and it's like this direct channel and we're getting this very raw, pure uh, transmission. You know, someone like Prince, I think there's a little bit more curation, which is, you know, his skill uh, is that that same intensity of power and expression, uh, but there's a little more to it. Alanis is to me, uh, and this could be, I think, 
for good and also this could be a shortcoming, Alanis is so, so raw, uh, which is very Gemini. It is totally unfiltered. It is totally like not, um, it, it isn't, there aren't really bells and whistles. I mean, and, and, you know, if we study her music videos, I think that's really the case. It's, it's really much like, um, very present, very clear and very direct and not, um, there's not a lot of embellishment or garnish going on. No. And I, I think you're right. I think Robin and Alana's both portal workers for good. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I think that there is like something, but in both of their music that is so, uh, it feels like swimming in water, right? There's like, mm. you can, you can enjoy it on the surface, but then you can just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And deeper. Um, go yes. down um and i think that like you're also right some of it is to a a fault where you're like okay we've gone, <laughs> we've yeah. gone a little bit too far down the hole and i just like is this a song anymore um <laughs> but you know i think that the fact that she includes that that type of music and her albums is is great um but yeah i i, I agree with you and it's what's amazing about her videos is most of them have no concept. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I, well, there is a later. Maybe we can talk about her music video for Ablaze from her most recent. Oh, album. Did you have okay, you watched Greg, this? I I have, and it's it's like, <laughs> who's the director of photography? <laughs> I there's so many. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to stray us too far down the path. But let no, me just say it, that. Let's go. I mean, come on. I okay. So I wa I watched the the music video for Blaze when it came out, and this is from um again her most recent album. I thought, okay, what is she gonna do visually? Maybe she finally got it together. And ouch, David, something. Talk. I so mean. <sighs> You know, the album cover is so beautiful. The song, the lyrics are devastating. Classically, Greg and I know we have Muna did a beautiful remix of that song. It's an incredible song. And then, you know, if you're going to shoot a music video in pandemic, <laughs> I don't know why. It just it's basically filmed out of her like it's filmed in her enormous mansion. I love to see that she has constructed a ball pit and a playground for her children. Tr but her, like... her and her family are dressed as amoebas. <laughs> Bimini bond boulashes rolling around somewhere. Like I, they're dressed as single cell organisms. Why we have, I, I, there's no, I don't know. Maybe like she talks about like the beginning of time in the song. So like yes. primordial, whatever. But then like from that, to that kids okay first of all the children's names we <laughs> ever onyx and winter give, i like, thank wow. you for reminding me of that ever um, uh, ever morissette yeah ever morissette onyx and winter are splashing around in a ball pit dressed as uh bacteria and she's looking through a microscope and that's the entire the premise for a blaze so actually let's just jump in right now okay with, okay um, discernment uh, um, a drawback for Gemini's is discernment. Um, it's really Gemini's, uh, want to do everything and, um, it's hard to Gemini's lack what Torians have, which is, uh, hypercritical discernment, right? Um, Alanis's son is opposing Neptune. 
Um, so Alanis's son is in her 11th house of kind of network and community. Uh, so, you know, her son does very well with getting the message across to the people, to the masses. Great. Beautiful. It's in an opposition with Neptune. Neptune is the planet of imagination uh, and kind of artistic consciousness. That Neptune's in Sagittarius. That's in her fifth house of creativity. So that's already kind of the sun and Neptune. There's, I mean, we can, there's a lot there that involves substances and a sense of disillusionment. We'll get to that later. But just in terms of Neptune brings this blurriness. And because it's in Sagittarius, it's literally delusions of grandeur. The sun is also squaring Jupiter and Pisces. Um, Jupiter and Pisces and Neptune and Sagittarius. If we think about Pisces and Sagittarius, they're these two very um, go big uh, and very dreamy, imaginative, uh, excited uh, signs. But in terms of like um, executing a sharp and sound vision, uh, we're we're kind of going to be lacking uh, that. Um, so just off the bat, I just want to kind of put that out there that in terms of like, we know that the talent is there and the power is there, but in terms of, uh, specificity, uh, and execution of vision, I think, yeah, it's like, yeah, why don't we film it in our house while I'm pregnant? Why don't we do like this bizarre concept that doesn't really, I mean, all of her videos, by the way, um, most of the jagged little pill videos it's like <laughs> okay what is going on it's like you know ironic it's just like her in the car you know you want to know is her in the desert but like nothing's really happening which i love um you know that simplicity is is key but i just kind of want to put that out there from the jump um yeah no and i i will also say that like while it's interesting because I feel like all of her music has such specificity and like power, but then like all of her visual, I was like reviewing all of her album design with the exception of such pretty forks in the road. I feel like she was just playing like she or her, yes. her friend who knows Photoshop was playing around and there is nothing to visually to support the like incredible power and kind of mood of her music. So interesting to know that. So this is what's really interesting about Alanis. Uh, and this is, we're jumping ahead, but I think this is the key thing with Alanis. Alanis Morissette is obviously Generation X. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Generation X. Uh, especially, you know, she's born 1974. We have two what I would refer to as generational planets, which are slower moving planets. So they move through their outer planets. They move through a sign uh, at a slower clip. So we're talking Pluto and Uranus. So, you know, Uranus will be in, in a sign for about seven years. Pluto will be there for like 20 years. So a whole generation is really in, impacted by this placement. Gen X is the Pluto, and in her case, Uranus in Libra generation. Libra is the sign of relationships, harmony, uh, beauty. So if we think about Gen X, who have Pluto the destroyer and Uranus the liberator in Libra, their whole thing is like, I am not buying what my parents bought about 
you get married, you get a job and you're happy. You know, there, Libra is so much about this um, beauty and harmony and this presentation. And the Gen X kids were very much like, you know, Alanis and Shirley Manson, let's just say. It's very much like, fuck that. I'm only happy when it when it rains. You know, like, fuck the system. Fuck the promise of, every, like, of a happy ending. So with that in mind, Alanis's Uranus in Libra and her Pluto are in her third house of self-expression. Um, and they're both, uh, well, well, really that Uranus, especially that Uranus, which is this liberator, this revolutionary, fuck up the system, fuck up the harmony, is opposing her Venus in Taurus. Venus, the goddess, beauty, femininity, artistry, it's in its home sign in Taurus, goddess incarnate, uh, this kind of fertility, abundance, empress energy. And that's in her 10th house of career. So Alanis has this really interesting thing going on, which is, and we'll get into dogma later, we'll get in a lot of her lyrics and imagery, but Alanis has this raw, pure goddess energy through her oh. Venus and Taurus. But with that Venus and Taurus, uh, there's an opposition to her Uranus and Libra, which is like, fuck beauty, fuck harmony. I want discord. I want to like mess shit up. Um, and that all goes into a T-square, which is uh, like a pyramid formation where you have two planets in an opposition kind of going to a boiling point. Ooh. That all goes into her Mars and Cancer in her 12th house. Mars and Cancer famously, as I always say, is an apoplectic placement. Mars is drive, fire, masculinity. It's trapped in this sign of like relationships, enmeshment, water. So it's like really boiling point of apoplexy and rage and like, why aren't I being heard and seen? And that's all in her 12th house. The 12th house is karma closure trauma and it's also the the studio it's also where all that karma gets processed so i i think one of the central things going on in her chart is this gen x uh push and pull which is like i want to fuck shit up i want to be this voice of like breaking down the system while also being very much like this femininity embodied um and all of that kind of coming to a boiling point, that duality of like, I am woman, I am goddess, but also like, I don't want, I don't want to be sold this false idea of beauty. It all really comes to a boiling point, I think, in this 12th house in the studio, which is where mm -hmm. the Mars in Cancer, Mars in Cancer is truly, you ought to know. It's like, you stepped on me, you subsumed me, and now I'm going to unleash. Um, so for her, I think that kind of, that's a lot of what's going on, which is this like complicated relationship with beauty, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So I know I just gave you a lot to uh, to process there. No, I love it. I mean, again, I, I told David before, I know, I know nothing, I'm a plebe. So like this, love I love hearing all this, like looking at her beautiful chart, so thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you, as you're like going through like analyzing this, like what, what kind of speaks to you and your like recent knowledge of like who she is? Like, what do you think comes through for you? 
Well, what I, you know, something I love is that she's Lilith and Aquarius in her sixth house. Lilith is like kicked out of the Garden of Eden, Adam's first wife, the she demon, like, uh, you know, not, not good enough for the patriarchy. And that Lilith is in her sixth house of um, the body and it's in Aquarius and like Aquarius is so much about like the airwaves and like reaching out to the people and that Lilith is also in a relationship with her, her Uranus, her moon and her Venus. So again, um, there's this an, another she and Shirley, you know, I haven't even done Shirley Manson's astrology yet, but um, <laughs> she, there is this very like Shirley Manson thing of like, I've been exiled and I'm going to like put it out into the airwaves. Um, mm -hmm. I love, she's a, she's a Scorpio moon. Scorpio is like the truth teller. Scorpio is like death, sex, lies, and manipulation. That Scorpio moon is also in a full dialogue with, with her Mars, with her Venus. Um, so there's just this aspect of just, I mean, it's to me, the Scorpio moon is very Alanis, which is like, oh, you don't want to hear the truth. I'm going to fucking give it to you. You know, it's right. very like, it's so tapped into the way her beauty and her artistry is embodied in this career house. And she is this divine feminine, I think, but it's really the divine feminine is really interacting with Mars and cancer, which is you have stepped on my voice and now I'm going to explode. Um, Uranus and Libra, which is like, I'm not going to buy this shit. My parents sold me the moon and Scorpio, which is like, um, if you fucking gaslight me, I'm going to know it and I'm going to kill you. And then Lilith and Aquarius, which is like, I've been exiled and I'm going to like share it with the people. So right. that's like a lot. That's a lot. But, you know, thematically, I do want to talk about that with you, which is like what she captured. And I'm curious to hear about your thoughts with this, which is like, I think she captured something really specific, which is like, these this absolute feeling of like i'm a loner i'm in exile i've been rejected but it's in this music that's like really somehow new user friendly and really relatable um and she is she's not goth she's not a punk like it's not that she's very she is very direct and embodied and like pretty but um you know you know what i'm talking about this yeah, kind of yeah, conflict no. yeah yeah absolutely and i think that like she she is raw truth and then it's interesting because i feel like her albums kind of like oscillate between uh that quality and then like being like about spirituality and serenity and like mm. um like discovering yourself so like there is this like push and pull between like musically between you know, scathing, unadulterated, just like fuck everything. And then to be like, you know, I'm going inward. I'm spiritual. I've been to India. <laughs> like, let's yes. sing. <laughs> um, so, yes. yeah. Uh, it's interesting because that conflict is, is, thank you for bringing that up. I hadn't really thought about it. You know, she has Chiron. Chiron is an asteroid that uh, represents the wounded healer. It represents kind of a central wound that you then transmute into knowledge. 
Chiron is on her midheaven. It's at the peak of her career point and it's in Aries. So this direct speaking to the wound is the key to her career success. It's the key right. to everything for her. Um, and that's in a direct opposition again to that Uranus. So that's sort of like, I am speaking for my generation and I am like airing out my shit is so intrinsic for her. But, um, and I think that's what people kind of know her and love her for. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is that she does have this very spiritual side, which is to say, she has a lot of, uh, she has Neptune, North Node, and Part of Fortune in Sagittarius in her fifth house of creativity and motherhood. So in terms of her creative, um, her filling her cup creatively, uh, there is this sense of wanting to keep expanding, exploring new forms of music. Yes, after Jagged Little Pill, she went to India for like six months and then, of course, we know with her second album, we get a lot more of an expansive kind of musical universe. She has a lot more, um, a lot more in- sitars coming in, I think, triumphantly. <laughs> and, you know, that also comes in. She has uh, Jupiter in Pisces in her eighth house, Jupiter, planet of wisdom and abundance in in its ruling sign, Pisces, the kind of cinematic spiritual imagination in this eighth house of death and metamorphosis so you know for her there is this huge i think she refills her cup on these kind of spiritual journeys and these kind of walkabouts Mm -hmm. but you know both of that neptune and that jupiter are squaring uh, and opposing her son so i think the way that she is publicly received is very much based on the more scorpionic truth teller, the more I'm going to fuck with the system, the kind of primal direct wound. But I think the way that she refills her cup, um, personally, whether or not uh, it's as popular or well uh, accepted by the kind of masses, her son is her son is in this mass house of, of being received by like a large group of people. Um, I think she does have this very spiritual side and that duality is, is really there. Um, yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. Cause I hadn't even thought about the India phase um, and it is critical. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just her, you know, her, like you said, her walkabouts and like that I, I watched um, like an MTV tour of her, um, apartment in ottawa and david it is head to toe inspired by asian design she's like i hate walls i love altars um let's she like does a a cleansing on camera i mean it's just Mm -hmm. really interesting that like so much of her like personal aesthetic and vibe is like you know everything asian and spiritual and yeah i mean let's (laughs) interesting looking at it now um yeah um which is very by the way like (sighs) gen x also there is you know the neptune and sag so it's like you're going out into the world to kind of um seek out these higher modes of consciousness which is amazing but because it's opposing her son in Gemini, again, there is just like a lack of 
refinement. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, it's really interesting because her Mercury, which, you know, rules Gemini, her Mercury, which is her communication, is conjunct her Saturn. Saturn is the planet of structure and limits and definition. um, And they're both in Cancer. So we just know generally that like all the lessons and all of the self-expression are going to come down to relationships because of Mm -hmm. that Cancer. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, right. Um, but it's just interesting because they are in that 11th house of network and and kind of the larger social community who loves her. So it's just interesting because I think that for her, there's a little bit to me, a little bit of a struggle, at least when I look at her chart of okay. um, how she's received Mm-hmm. and what the kind of larger the people are getting out of her and maybe the way that she herself perceives her own artistic vision or integrity um, mm-hmm. and you know saturn and mercury are squaring pluto in her third house of self-expression so we know that there's some sort of a a destruction and a reincarnation that goes on with how she wants to express herself artistically and what the people may expect from her, the role the people want her to play and what people get from her. Um, And I'm curious if you have anything to say about that kind of duality. I feel like it goes back to what you were saying earlier. I think that like what she's most known for is this just like, unadulterated like when people think of Alanis they think like give me give me like feminine rage anger um who gives a fuck I'm gonna like um and I think that like listening to her music for so long there is just such like what I I think I feel like what I'm more attracted to in her discography is like the more introspective, like, um, quieter, I don't know. I I just think that like, there is this like outward perception of like Alanis's rage. (laughs) And then I, I feel like there's a through line of just like the introspection of relationships and with, uh, self-discover I don't know I just I think yeah. that there is more complexity in her um in her songs when it comes to again relationship with self spirituality and like um not just the other parts of relationships that aren't anger and scorn um I I love that um you know her moon is in her Scorpio fourth house fourth house is like home uh, roots. When we see that moon in that fourth house Scorpio, I'm like, oh, she really probably always was probably a wallflower. And she was probably always someone who's really like paying attention and watching how bizarre dynamics are maybe among parents or just like in the family around you and kind of seeing the truth and the lies. And then when we see that Mars in Cancer, there's just this sense that 
it's in her 12th house of kind of like closure, personal history, karma. You know, there's just this sense of, um, again, maybe all of the things she's noticed and felt have been kind of repressed and kind of get unleashed, which is amazing. But to me, there's really like, I, I think she has a lot, she observes a lot and she's really like curious and thoughtful. And I mean, she was that girl too, which is like, you know, a lot of her vibe is also like the hand in pocket girl and the ironic girl who's just like, I'm a bit of an outsider and I have something to say, you know? Um, so I think that that duality is there. I think though it's hard because she has been really boxed in as this kind of like Lilith incarnate. While I think there's really this like, the writer side of her, I think is really like a writer who's like, I'm a little bit removed and I'm just kind of like observing what's happening here, you know? Oh, and I just lost your, oh, there you are. Say that again, sorry. I I think that makes total sense. And I think that like there, I mean, she writes almost all of her music. So like, yeah. The, and like in, I feel like that's that comes through particularly in the under rug swept um, phase, mm. um, like that particular time, precious illusions, like, where kind of what I was talking about before. Um, so yeah, and I'm also, well, I guess I have a, a curiosity about how perception or perception of herself versus perception of the public plays into like a lot of her like acting roles. Cause oh, I think like her, her acting slash uh, guest appearance roster is pretty wild from like playing a lesbian on Nip to, you know, kissing Carrie Bradshaw on Sex and the City. Like what? And wasn't she on Weeds? Uh, didn't she date Justin Curry? AJYN on Weeds. Yes. And of no course, nonsense. you know, for me, let's just get this out you know, front and center, let's just say what needs to be said. Dogma is a formative movie for me. It was really, really, really big for me as a kid. And I do think that her performance as God um, is truly like one of the greatest things to be captured on screen. And like, if Kevin Smith has done one good thing in his life, that's it. Um, no, he also did Mallrats, which we love. But um Let's get into that. What I want to say, first of all, is that the dogma thing where she is God, that to me is her 10th house Venus in Taurus, which is like 10th house career and public roles, most public point in your chart. We've got Venus incarnate stepping down um, and just being like, okay, I am, um, I am she who you cannot even handle. So there's that. <laughs> okay. Um, like all I like when that when dogma came out all I remember like the only thing that was talked about was that Alanis Morissette played God like yeah in my circles <laughs> um my little game you know this is how I feel about her acting Alanis is a Leo rising okay 
Um, so there is just this aspect, and, and her son is in Gemini, um, again, in this very public space. So I think there's a part of her that wants to be seen and recognized, but not be pinned down. Um, I think it's really hard for a Gemini when you have um, this really iconic music and image uh, to then get pinned down by it. Geminis really crave versatility. Um, she also has her Jupiter in Pisces, which also needs a huge amount of... Um, it needs to be collecting a vast kind of cadre of experiences. Um, and that's again in her eighth house of metamorphosis. So she actually really loves to collect wisdom by changing roles so being this 90s gen x songstress being this mom and then i think for her her leo rising gets satisfied in a really nice way by being able to say okay i am being seen uh, i'm a performer and an artist but it doesn't all have to be bound into this like specific um image that people want to ascribe to me so i think to her being on the episode of uh boy girl boy girl of sex in the city um or being yes thank you so much for reminding me about nip tuck um to her in her head that's like i think a little bit freeing um and it's a little bit liberating i think that <laughs> Her, her moon, Uranus, Venus, Mars, that T-square is so intense. It is so like destiny level of like, you are born to unleash this like inner pain about that you've experienced, especially with her Chiron on the Midheaven. You are born to unleash this inner pain and this fury that you've experienced. You are born to embody it as this Lilith Venus incarnate. And you are you are destined to go into this like this very spiritual, very um powerful, brutal um dark domain where you synthesize it and uh bring it out. Um through your music. So she has this kind of like divine burden on her, um, which she is so triumphantly channeled, obviously. To me, I think the acting satisfies um, other aspects of her creativity. You know, her son is in an opposition with Neptune. So <clears throat> Neptune is dreams, imagination, disillusionment um inebriation when we see a sun opposition to neptune especially in mutable signs there's a really diffuse sense of self the idea is that your sun which is your centrality and your vitality is basically um immersed in this kind of ocean of consciousness sun neptune relationships do not do well for people with substance issue issues because you're losing yourself you know, and it goes too far. So in her case, she has this very public son and she's seen publicly in this way. But I think for her, um, in terms of her um, creative identity, there might be this sense of diffusion. And I think with that Neptune in her fifth house of creativity, she gets to say, 
oh, of course, when Genji Kohan and Ryan Murphy um, and Michael Patrick King, I mean, and Kevin Smith. What I love, too, is that she's not like auditioning. She's being like, this is her Leo Rising, which is like, you call me, I won't call you, which is like, yeah, if you're going to offer me the part, bitch, I'll take it. So when she gets given these offers which is like alanis what if you played a lesbian she's like oh great maybe this could reveal something about myself to me discovery um like i said and i think that like that's a really satisfying answer in response to the question like i i think that like looking at all and also interesting that i feel like she there's a lot of the time in her acting career where she just plays herself <laughs> like mm. on curb your enthusiasm <laughs> and uh you know like i just i think that <laughs> i completely what does she do on curb your enthusiasm um she is invited to play a private show at larry dude's <laughs> house and um she reveals to him who the song you ought to know is about at the end and he uses it as like bargaining power with uh some i forget who who it is but like she tells him who the song is about um and she gets in a car accident uh a fender bender and she can't really say i i don't know it's just yes it's, uh, do, are you remembering this yes i am and i'm looking at her imdb and there are just a lot of where you're like okay <laughs> Who, yeah, uh, uh, Weeds, eight episodes. I mean, she was like ready to go. Um, wow, yeah, Curb Enthusiasm. I mean, God, Dogma is just also, what's amazing about Dogma that I really want to say that I like really want to shout out Kevin Smith for this is not only is she God, but Alan Rickman has to be uh, her her voice because hearing her voice will kill anyone in the vicinity because it's it's the voice of god and classically i mean the greatest ending of all time which is she um opens her mouth and the the power of her voice um makes ben affleck's head explode um which is just like to me this beautiful closure um, it's just this beautiful Bush era moment where it's like, um, this Gemini <laughs> who has her moon and her Venus in a T-square with Lilith, this Gemini acting as, you know, Leo rising, this regality, Venus and Taurus, this kind of goddess incarnate, um, unleashing the power of her voice and destroying a man, destroying this symbol of like masculine bullshit. You know? Oh, I said that's the thesis right there. Exactly. That is kind of Alanis um, incarnate. I want to talk about um, her recent, you know, let's just kind of jump around a little. I just want to say, you know, Jagged Little Pill was recorded um, and released not on her Saturn return. Her Saturn return was actually during the 18 month uh, tour of Jagged Little, P Little Pill. Um, Jagged Little Pill was actually um, recorded while Saturn was going through, um, again, her eighth house of death and metamorphosis. 
uh, I think there was just this kind of like huge spiritual submission to this kind of higher consciousness. Uh, and then we do have Jagged Little Pill coming out right in that, again, that Aries and Chiron. So this this unleashing of pain. Then we go into her Saturn return. Uh, July 2003 was actually her Saturn return. So, sorry, when I say, when I was saying her 18th month tour, I meant she had her Saturn square. Um, but her Saturn return was not till 2003. So is that under rug swept, Greg? Or what is that? Three, I feel like is yes, that makes sense. Um, okay. Um, what's interesting? It is under rug swept. Okay. Um, I thought it was interesting because I was curious about what was going on when, and I don't know if you can tell this story better than I can, but her ex manager who embezzled from her. Um, Jonathan Schwartz, thank you. Oh, Jonathan, she... Jason Schwartz. Jesus Jason Christ. Schwartz. No, you might be Jason. right. No, no, it's Jonathan. It's Jonathan. Uh, he stole five million from her, and she sent his ass to prison. And also, I loved he wrote a Hollywood Reporter piece um, where he like, you know, I've learned my lesson. I'm a gambler. Blah blah blah. And she was just like, don't believe a word he says. That to me is the Moon in Scorpio and the Leo rising, which is like don't fuck with me you know the moon in scorpio is like you know you fooled me once um i will kill you and the leo rising is like you have proved yourself obsolete i don't need you anymore goodbye um i just want to say that all happened during her saturn opposition so that's when um saturn was really kind of like opposing her sun and then its natal placement so it was just this kind of like testing period um Greg, what other eras, periods, uh, works are you curious about or wanting to discuss? My big question to you is that she is an actual twin. Twin brother named Wade. Okay. Why are you, <laughs> why are you smiling like that? I had no idea. When I found this out, I was just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so truly Gemini. Um, oh. But like, from what I gather, he, like, Alanis is like a huge inspiration to him. <laughs> and like, he's a, a yoga teacher, a therapist, a like, he's also like a music person. Um, so I'm just curious if like that... I know nothing about no. astrological anything, but like, I'm wondering like how twindom might play into her. Cause like. Totally. That's a great. <laughs> I'm sorry. So do you see anything in there? Like yeah, that's such a great question. And I recently did a reading on a twin um, and uh, I've done it before, but I recently had a, a, a reading on a twin and I got a lot of insight. Um, so this is a question that comes up in astrology a lot, which is like, well, if two people are twins, what gives them their individual, you know, what gives their chart any individual meaning? So this is what I'll say. Gemini is 
again, the sign of the twins. Gemini is very much about duality. Gemini is a mutable sign. So Gemini is very much a receptive and reactive sign. It's an air sign and it, it really reacts to the circumstances um, that, it, that it is. You know, I haven't looked at his chart and I don't really know how the house placement goes. So that might be different, but let's say it were the same. If you have two Geminis, they are in reaction to one another. Um, and if you have, especially with their astrology, which is Mercury, Saturn, and Mars in Cancer, there is this huge dynamic of um, relationality and all that entails. Alanis has the chart of someone who in relationship attains a lot of definition. I mean, Saturn in Cancer is very much that. Um, and because her Mercury is conjunct that Saturn, um, her self-expression is kind of developed in this relational space. So what does all that mean? First of all, I think that goes very well with the Sun square Jupiter and the Sun opposing Neptune, which is this very diffuse self of individual identity, this diffuse sense of individual selfhood. But also, there's just this sense that um, they probably both are hyper-reactive, responsive, and adaptive when it comes to what they gain out of relationships with each other and with others. And then they're, uh, they then kind of develop their, their personas based off of that. So this, it's kind of like a, a counterintuitive thing, which is the mutability of her astrology and the adaptability of her astrology makes it so that, um, she's kind of always reacting to others and kind of always attaining self-definition based off of others. So that could then open this possibility for her and her brother to then be constantly kind of in flux and bouncing off of each other. Um, so having twins who are Geminis or for instance, my niece and nephew who are twins who are Virgos, when they're mutable, it's like the story is kind of never over, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes sense. That, that's great. And like, I, as you were relaying all of that, I just like looked, looked him up and it seems like it's interesting that there, there's so much overlap in terms of like their career and their interests. Like he, mm. he also went to India apparently. Um, and like, yeah, he's big into yoga. He's also a musician and he engagement so yeah it's just interesting to hear you talk about her chart and like what that means really and then seeing just like kind of like a, a skeleton of her twin and how it kind of relates which is you know yeah it's uh it's tricky and i i, I know i hope i hope that wasn't a, a dissatisfying answer but it's like <laughs> it, it's it's really, it's so, it's different with every set of twins, first of all, uh, based on that astrology. But um, also, like, I think her relationship with femininity is so, like, because it's a male twin, not to, like, be binary or whatever, but, like, because she has Jupiter and Pisces in this eighth house, 
there is this huge sense of like mother Gaia, mother doula, like deliverer because she has this Venus in Taurus. She has, you know, her Venus and her Lilith, obviously it's probably the same for him on a spiritual level, but in terms of the embodiment um, that her Leo rising gives her as a woman, I think it takes her on a bit of a separate journey. You know, her Mars in Cancer is this very relatable rage. Obviously, you and I are two male-identifying faggots who obviously relate to her, but her Mars in Cancer, as delivered by a woman, it takes on a different um, power, you know? I see that, and that I feel like that makes sense. Okay, cool. Um, what else are you curious about? Like, what else? What else? What else in the Alanis kind of uh, hall of hall of uh, mirrors do you want to discuss? I mean, I don't know how this can relate astro- astrologically necessarily, but I I think one of my favorite Alanis songs is wonderkind from the chronicles of narnia soundtrack um uh but like you know that was from 2005 but i feel like what's is like this idea of like a lot speaks to me in relation to what you're talking about is that she wrote this song as a from the perspective of a person who is like is going deep with the elements of the universe and like fate and destiny and Mm. is like um you know kind of charted to be royalty goddess queen um and like i don't care so much about the how that relates to chronicles of narnia but i just think that like it's such a beautiful song and because it's like you know wrapped up in like a movie tie-in that it often gets overlooked but i wanted to bring it up because i do feel like it speaks to like a lot of the things that you were mentioning about her in relation to her chart so first of all i just want to kind of put out this preface which is greg and i uh, are two real connoisseurs when it comes to um movie soundtrack work by pop stars that other people disregard. So, you know, Greg and I have done a lot of really important research into Tove Lo's contributions to the uh, not only Hunger Games soundtrack series, but the Divergent soundtrack series, okay? You know, we, we really, that is an arena that I will always love because I do think that whenever Uh, artists do these contributions to a soundtrack i think it's like often these these like special gems because it's usually when they're in this in-between period between albums and it's this very like um pure uh singular contribution thank you for tipping me off to this song i mean these lyrics are unbelievable which is Destined to seek, destined to know, most beautiful place, reborn and blown off roof, my view about face weather, great will be done, I am a magnet for all kinds of deeper wonderment, I am wonderkind O. Oh. I am a groundbreaker, naive enough to believe this, I am a princess on the way to the throne, I, have a mag- uh, I am Joan of Arc and smart enough to believe this. So, hmm. 
this thank you greg because this kind of is her whole astrology which is leo rising which is i know that i i know that i am meant to speak to something i know that my individual journey is about affirming something that others can see and uh, bringing it to the fore and representing it and embodying it her Gemini, her Gemini sun uh, opposing that Neptune and squaring that Jupiter and Pisces are saying, okay, I'm a portal, I'm a channel, you know, um, I am kind, I am a magnet for all kinds of deeper wonderment. You know, the gates are open, something's coming through me. The groundbreaker, naive enough to believe this, is really the, the Uranus and Libra, the moon and Scorpio. Um, that Chiron and Aries, which are all basically saying like, I reborn and blown off roof. Um, I am ready to like, speak to this, this ugly truth. You know, we see Pluto, which is the destroyer, um, squaring Saturn and Mercury, her self-expression, her sense of definition. And that is the reborn and blown off roof, which is very much narnia itself is very much about like crossing through these portals crossing through these gates and pluto and saturn in this square pluto and mercury in the square are really speaking to this um this sense of incarnation and change in terms of your self-expression this idea of going through these different phases um and unleashing new forms of the self and I think that's really all coming out here too. And then of course, you know, her Venus in Taurus um, with that Jupiter in Pisces, Jupiter in Pisces and Venus in Taurus are the uh, dominating forces in her chart because they're in their home elements. They're in their home signs. Is this kind of goddess incarnate, Venus incarnate in a, in a uh, spiritual um, setting. So that is such a beautiful song to pick and i didn't really even know about it so thank you yeah, like with what you're mentioning i think it's really interesting that like the development of the song too is like okay like alanis watched a cut of chronicles of narnia and like this is what came out of her you know like this is the perspective she saw the film through like and <laughs> i just I think again, like going back to the beginning of our conversation, like how she's not so great at visuals maybe, but like being able to like take in visuals, synthesize them through her perspective with her destiny, emotions, goddess capacity, et cetera. And then come out with the, this song. I just feel like is such a like, that sticks with me musically when I like think of her is like, I don't know, there's just such a, a, a well of, um everything that i love about her like tied up you know i actually love that you know that's such a great point because she she'll watch the movie and she can't really write lyrics about like the saga because she's a leo rising and, and her venus is in taurus she can say but i can embody this myself you know i can transmute these themes into my body i can live it and I will be that that princess and I will be the portal for you, you know?
I love it. Love it. Okay. Love it. Love it. Um, so Greg, for the, the children out there, what are any kind of Alanis wrecks? Um, obviously we recommend Wonderkind. <laughs> we recommend Dogma. Um, we but recommend I'm wondering dogma. if there's anything out there for the children. I'm just going to throw some of my faves out there. I love Guardian, which I feel like no one, no one cares about. I don't feel like it was a big hit here. Um, but again, kind of just like, it feels like one of her more spiritual, uh, more songs. Um, I love, um, everything mm. i love um the other day but i and this is a new discovery for me but i love the song receive okay very um, very yeah okay and again receive. it's just how to save um it's just like i don't know havoc and bright lights havoc and bright lights baby <laughs> I don't know if it's like the best, so, but like there is, again, there's something that just like speaks to me in that song in a way that it's like inviting everyone into this kind of like vulnerable, yeah. raw thing and it doesn't feel cloying. Um, in terms of like her, like more relationship based songs, I like, I love Simple Together, mm. um, which is it's just like so beautiful and like has made me cry. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um and i love um unsent um that i would be good i mean that i would be good is is major right and of course you and i i know that you and i love are you still mad like i feel like that is the song that we really reference all the time are you still mad i just want to say to everyone out there like you think about a Scorpio moon, which is like, and a Mars in Cancer, which is like, I'm going to remember everything that you did and everything that I did. And I'm going to like live in the pain of it for all time. And are you still mad is just this like primal. I mean, it's everything we love about Alanis, which is like, I, I am just going to fucking let it all out. It's just so, oh God, Greg, thank you for reminding me. I'm know like what some of your, like which songs you gravitate towards. I have to say, Greg, and this is actually from her latest album, Such Pretty Forks in the Road. She has the song Smiling, which allegedly she wrote for the Jagged Little Pill musical. Okay. Um, she has the song Smiling. I highly recommend there's a remix by F9. Who are F9? F9 were formerly the Freemasons, who are my all-time favorite DJs ever. You know, we know them for their work with Kelly Rowland, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the F9 dance remix of Smiling, or just the original Smiling, life-changing. Um, I mean, it's just like, I keep on smiling, keep on moving, can't stand still. It's like, you know, Obviously, she has the song, like, Why Do I Drink or whatever, but I think Smiling is actually really the song for anyone who's in recovery, that it's like, oh, this is what it's about, which is like, these are my places off the rails. I mean, come on. Um, like I said, the Muna remix of Ablaze is really, 
important. Um, you know, you introduced me to so many major songs. Obviously, uh, I, I just want to make sure I get the title. Crazy is Hello, really big. Um, and Doth I Protest Too Much. Wait, wait, wait. We haven't talked about a huge one, Greg. Uninvited. And thank you are just those are the returns for me. Like I like if I'm going back to an Alanis listen, like those those are the first stop. Um that has a famous techno techno remix that they play at every spin class. Really? Uh, well, yes. there the I want to say also the Free the Freemasons, again, I'm sorry to keep doing this. The Freemasons have a beautiful remix of Uninvited. Um that's not sung by Alanis, but that's still just like fucking I mean, let me just say this is Aaliyah rising right now. Like anyone would be, I am flattered by your fascination with me. This is the Venus and Taurus. Like any hot-blooded woman, I have simply wanted an object to crave. But you, you're not allowed. This is the moon in Scorpio. You're uninvited, an unfortunate slight. I mean, must be strangely exciting. I, I could go forever. Um, yeah, uninvited. And then listen, I I I'm Greg and I are talking about later Alanis work because Jagged Little Pill itself you know, I, I just don't want to understate that this is the most, th there's nothing on earth like Jagged Little Pill. What Jagged Little Pill did for its generation and generations to follow, what it did for the cultural consciousness, what it did as like a marker of feminine rage in the last, uh, in the era of girl power before George Bush. I mean, every fucking song on that album um you know wine dine 69 me etc don't need like everyone knows everyone right. knows that that was a, a divine gift and it's just understood it's washed over our people and our culture we know and we're ever <laughs> you know like we don't need everyone already knows um but one thing okay so sorry i do just want to say that like i feel like there is one music video okay. that again is has no real concept I know outside of like say. yeah outside of extreme vulnerability but like it is the thing the video for thank you where she is I naked and i like i remember when that came out that was a huge thing but i do again relating it back to like your analysis of the chart feminine divine venus like that is the image of eve or like naked woman vulnerable goddess energy just like I feel like it's perfect. You, you know, her chart doesn't have a lot of great collaboration in it. This is what I'll say. Um, if you look at, let's say you look at Julianne Moore's chart. Okay. Julianne Moore's chart is very much centered around her houses of partnership and collaboration. So we know that Julianne Moore, let's say as an example, is someone who does really well with a collaborator or a director. You get Julianne Moore with the Coen brothers or with Todd Haynes, magic is going to happen, right? Alanis is very, uh, it's her and it's the fans. So a video like Thank You, where she gets to be this goddess incarnate, the vision, it's like, we needed a really amazing director 
to take that to the next level because the idea of Alanis naked in the streets with the people that video could have been like the ray of light video but it isn't um and the reason why dogma to me is like this perfect moment is because kevin smith is like Alanis, i need you to show up and i like we will handle the rest and i think like that's a big thing that's missing in her chart which i think would be really um like a boon to her would be that gift of collaboration, you know? I love it. Thank you. Um, um, okay, Greg, thank you for being here. Where, obviously, listen, just so you know, Greg does the art for the luminaries and always has. He is my, um, you know, sine qua non without Greg, there's nothing. Greg, um, Greg and I are also collaborators. Greg runs uh, The Inquiry, uh, which is a, how would you describe The Inquiry, Greg? It's a satirical writing and illustration project for the queer community. Thank you. Um, I have written for it a lot. It is one of my great joys. Recently, Greg and I collaborated on a piece about um, interior design in TV and movies as done by faggots so we talked about felicity's apartment we talked about um mia's apartment in the princess diaries etc etc so where can people follow you and where can people follow the inquiry we'll send them straight to at inquiry media um and again i love it it is so much fun for me not not only to work with a bunch of queer artists but specifically uh our collaboration together so i feel like it's appropriate uh, to send them right there. But I, I am so honored to be asked, uh, about it's a, it's a dream come true. So thank you so much. I listen, you know, as Alana says, receive, um, receive baby. Uh, that's what we're <laughs> doing. All right, Greg, thank you for being here. Naturally. I love you. And, um, thank you all for, uh, going on this journey with us. The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Consulting producer Carly Hugendijk. Art by Greg Kozatek and music by Henry Kapersky. To book a reading, tarot, or astrology with me, David Odyssey, you can email me, adavidodyssey at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram, david underscore odyssey, O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share, rate, subscribe, etc. See you next Tuesday. Mwah. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.